Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Well, welcome to another episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Real excited today. I've got uh, Blake Barnett on. Blake is the co-host of DSC's Trailing the Hunter's Moon, which you can see on the Sportsman channel. And there's also episodes, various episodes on YouTube uh, and through the Facebook page. Uh, Blake's a professional hunter, the thing that many of us would aspire to. He's just a great overall guy running down here in South Texas and all over the United States as he does his both international and domestic hunting through various outfitters and and locations. So with that, Blake, welcome to the show. Jason, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be a part of your show today. Well, that's, tell me a little bit as we get into this. I'd kind of like to start with current day. Tell me a little bit about this uh, DSC's Trailing the Hunter's Moon how did you get involved in that? DSC's Trail on the Hunter's Moon. And, you know, Larry Weissoon authored a book several years ago called Trail on the Hunter's Moon. And I have been a business partner with Larry Weissoon for going on 10 years now. And, you know, read the book when it first came out. It won many awards. And Larry was a part of many different TV programs over the last 10 years, and he finally came to me and he said, you know, I've always wanted to do a series and, and title it after the book, my last book that I authored. And I, I told him as a producer, my experience as a, as a producer, and being Larry's main field producer for so long, I said, I think that that is just a fantastic idea. And, uh, he, of course, he has come out with a sequel, a second part to that book. And, you know, DSC has been a supporter of Larry and myself for, for many, many, many years. And, you know, we're just truly honored to have them on board as the title presenting sponsor, uh, which is why it's called DSC's trailing the hunter's moon. And so we're going into our sixth season already. It's a series that really took off and, and was well received, uh, with all of our partners and sponsors that are involved in the sportsman's channel, who has been kind enough to us to give us a great primetime airing spot and really, really promote the series for us as well. So super excited about being a part of this series. This is my second year to actually be a co-host of the series. Uh, last year, Larry took the series 52 weeks out of the year and, and invited me to come on board as a co-host. So something different for me there. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope that the folks out there that watch the Sportsman's Channel and can catch us on Sunday nights are truly enjoying it because we sure do have a great time putting it together for everybody. Yeah, very good episodes i i enjoy that so one of the shows that is a must watch well i appreciate that really do appreciate that jason as we look at some of the things you've done i wanted to touch base on something you did a few weeks ago that a lot of people don't know about that exists down here in south texas for anybody to come to which is the ftw ranch and their shooting school oh absolutely uh by far the finest shooting up school and training facility i think that's out there across our nation tim fallon and his and his entire team, uh, Doug Pritchard and the guys, I mean, are ex, most of them are ex-Navy SEALs. And, you know, I mean, the, the knowledge behind the, the training there, the precision training, and even the hunter training. And I think that's, that's pretty much why Tim Fallon really put this, this whole program into place is there was a need. I mean, Tim is a, is a world global hunter, just like myself and like Larry is. And, and he found a need going around the world to, uh, 
you know, that, that, that hunters, all of us, you know, we could, we can use training. We can use, uh, you know, a little help brushing up on bad habits and, you know, um, or skills that we just haven't ever trained ourselves in. So it's a facility, you know, out in Barksdale, Texas, which is only about an hour and 45 minutes from San Antonio. It's 12,000 plus acres of nothing but gun ranges. Um, you know, is they don't teach hunting long range, but they really they teach long range shooting. But what they're really teaching you, and what I find is they're teaching the hunter your limitations. You know, I can take certain rifles out there of certain calibers and know that I am consistent to 300 or 400 yards with one rifle, and then I may be consistent with another rifle set up at 600 and 700 yards so really knowing my firearm and getting to know my firearm and knowing my limitations is really what they teach us and of course they've expanded it into some other programs as well like the dangerous game hunting side where they teach you to shoot you know charging and running targets which larry and i both you know have taken the course because we both hunted you know dangerous game in africa just hunted elephants you know last year as well and found that course to be extremely you know um you know, a course that was, I mean, I gained a lot of knowledge from it. Plus I, what I really learned was my bad, my bad habits, you know? And so even when I go back, I go back at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, Tim lets me come back for, for a brush up and, and, and quickly, you know, they point out those bad habits that I've developed in the field and, and take those away from me and get me back on track. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a place, the FPW ranch that I encourage anybody that's a, you know, a mountain hunter or going on safari, any type of hunt um you know to go it's it's four-day course and it's it's fabulous lodge and and you it's hands-on one-on-one instruction and you just can't beat it i mean you absolutely cannot beat it you owe it as a hunter to the animal to shoot that animal and kill that animal in the first shot and i think that us as hunters that's what that's what we need to stand behind and so all of us can use training every single one of us even the best of the best yeah that's very true you've got a lot of guys who go out there and the only time they ever shoot their gun is when they're hunting. You know, it's a shame because you want to put the animal down ethically and, and humanely. And it's the key there, I think, is exactly what you said, is knowing your limitations. Exactly, knowing your limitations. And that's really what they teach you. I mean, you know, you know the guy that's shooting next to you may be shooting, you know, metal targets at 700, 800 yards. And the guy on the other side of you may only be shooting you know, 400 targets because that's his, that's just his limit with his setup, you know, or just his, just his, you know, that's just his maximum capability. And so it really teaches you, like I said, it's taught me, you know, what my limits are. If I'm going to go over to mid Asia and hunt the mountains, you know, for, for sheep or Ibex, I'm going to go with a setup that I confidently know I can reach some of those long distant ranges, you know, and by attending the FTW course, I mean, I'll know, I'll know, after the first day where I'm going to struggle, you know, which helps teach me, you know, Hey, when I get in that real situation on that mountain, I know where I don't need to be crossed, what lines I don't need to be crossing, you know? Um, and so, you know, I mean, hunting, listen, you know, here's the way I see it. Hunters. Um, we all, (laughs) I guess we all like to brag a little bit. We're all proud of our hunts and our moments and we should be, you know, but we should never, uh, I think become too pride prideful and, and all thinking that we're the best shots in the world, you know, cause we all, uh, we can all mess up with training, you know, knowing those limitations to me is, is super important. Well, and shooting a target is a lot different than, than a live animal. And my first trip, my only trip to Africa, the first gun I pulled, or 
when I first pulled my gun out to shoot my first animal, which was a zebra, mm-hmm. well, he was only about 150 yards away. Uh, I did a poor shot because I was so ramped up and excited that uh, I, I just lost track of what I was doing, and it wasn't fair to the animal. Luckily, we dispatched him fairly quick. That drawn on a live animal, especially when you're in an exotic area, I don't know about you, but my, my blood's pumping, my adrenaline's going, and I'm, I'm oh, absolutely ready to, to get out there and see what I can do. Oh, every time. It doesn't matter what kind of hunt I'm going on. I mean, I, my that adrenaline, that excitement, that's, I think that's why we do this, and that's what we live for, you know. And part of the, the, the Sam's Precision Training Course out there at the FTW Ranch, I mean, puts you in situations on shooting sticks or different positions, you know, whether it's prone or whether it's kneeling or sitting or standing, um, you know, and, and, and teaches you how to use your surroundings to get the perfect rest, you know, so that you can make that good, clean kill shot. Uh, because caught up in the moment, like you were just saying, whether you're shooting at a zebra or staring down an elephant at, you know, 15 yards or a charging Cape Buffalo or a Marco Polo sheep at 700 yards, you know, um, these these guys, these instructors really put the shooter through the test. And um, it, it's hard work. It's four long days of hard training. You're tired mm-hmm. at the end of each and every day, but you take away from it so much. And uh, like I said, I think every hunter deserves, owes it to themselves, yeah, you know, a, to, to brush up on those skills. I think it's a valuable investment in your in your future hunting success to attend something like that. And as far as I know, they may be one of the only ones in the nation that does that to that extent. Yeah, you know, I think there's several, you know, schools around the nation. But, I mean, to have a setup like, like they have at the FTW, like I said, it's 12,000 acres. Um, that's a little over 12,000 acres of gun ranges. I mean, the canyons, I mean, I, I was out there just, just recently, like you said, and there was a gentleman out there that was trying to break the new world record and he was shooting. They have one range. Of course, it goes pretty much all the way across the ranch. It was over 4,600 yards, you know, over two and a half miles. Um, and that's not something that everybody that comes through the course is trying to do, but this is definitely a client that, that does a lot of competition shooting and a lot of long range shooting. And he's visited the FTW ranch numerous times. Um, he's actually, he's, he actually is the current world record, you know, for the longest shot and he was trying to break his own record. Wow. And, um, so, I mean, it, it, it you know, Tim Fallon and his entire team staff, they've put a lot of thought into it and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for a facility, such as FTW, aren't you probably right? It's probably the only facility in the nation like that, that it's as big as it is, the diversity that it has, and types of gun ranges that are there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth the investment. I think every hunter owes it to themselves somewhere down the way to, to give it a try, to brush up on their skills. Well, and as you look at that, you've got, um, with with this show, you and Larry have put together just a fine group of organizations to work with from Dallas Safari Club, you know, who's the sponsors for the, the name with the name of the show, but you've also got Ruger, Hornady, the Wildlife Gallery, Taxidermy, Nature Blinds. I mean, uh, I know last year you picked up Drake Clothing. Uh, Correct. The Convergent Hunting Solutions, who I've had a chance to talk with them a little bit, and what a fantastic product that they make. So you just lined up a great Absolutely. group of people. Very, very blessed. Larry and I are very, very, very blessed to be partnered with some of the finest brands in the industry. You know, I mean, this is not an easy business to be in. A lot of people ask me, how do you do this? How does this business run? And, you know, this, this business truly is, 
is dependent on those partnerships, you know, and those relationships. And it's really, truly about building uh, a loyal and trust and delivering a product line, you know, for those brands because they are the ones that paved the way for us. And just everyone that you mentioned, I mean, we're truly blessed to be a part of Ruger Hornady has been with, you know, a partner of Larry's for, for many, many years. Um, and I've grown to, to, uh, develop the same relationships with those, with those partners. Convergent Hunting Solutions is, is fairly new to us. This is our second year to partner with them. And you're right, their Bullet HP is a product that is, I mean, very well thought out of, you know, in the field with the, you know, with the Bluetooth accessory to your smartphones to be able to, to call, you know, use the, the Bullet HP and call predators. And even the whitetail recordings that are on the, on their uh, Predator Pro app are recordings recorded straight from Larry Wyson, you know, even hand, hand, or excuse me, mouth calls oh, wow. um, that were reco- recorded that is, is used for, uh, you know, that application. So super excited. Byron South and Stephen Skaggs and those guys that compared to Connie Solutions are super great guys. Enjoyed hunting with them some last year. Didn't get to hunt with them this year because things just got too busy, but um, plan on doing a whole lot more with them in the future. Uh, Drake Clothing, uh, man, excited to be partnered with them. This is the first year that uh, we're on board with them. Larry Weissing and myself have always found it very difficult for us to find apparel that fits properly for us big guys. I mean, we're both well over six foot, big, broad-shouldered guys, and where we have difficulties finding, you know, apparel that fits us in the in the pant, the length of the pants, you know, or the length of the sleeves on a shirt. And uh, Drake has got a full line. Drake non typical is a is a, a line of their brand that we're really uh, promoting for them. That uh, pretty much, I mean, they developed apparel for all from the safari field savannas and safari hunts to mountain hunts and cold weather hunts as well. So. I just talked to them last week on, on some product development stuff and just tell them, you know, kudos to them. You know, I applaud them big time for, for the products that they're putting out there that that uh, that fit and that work. So excited about that partnership as well. Tecamati Seed, David Morris and his crew, I mean, super great guys. You know, they're, they're San Antonio-based as well, so really excited to be, you know, partnered back up with them as well going forward. Yeah, that's a, just a great lineup of of sponsors and as you said the whole business is based upon relationships and when you have a solid relationship with a solid company uh and everybody it's a win-win for everybody it is you know and i think there's so many people that you know are really trying to have a a hunting television show and uh, you know the market has been flooded for a long time and you know i'm i am a big believer in in following your dreams you know if you work hard for it and uh you deliver and you build those relationships and you keep those relationships by delivering and doing everything you say you're going to do you know um and that and that's how we've that's how we've built you know all these relationships larry's been in this business certainly much longer than i have but he's paved the path for me he's taught me a way um you know that i've learned over the last 10 years on how to really build those relationships and uh it's more than just going on the hunt and, and doing a TV show, you know. I mean, we wouldn't have these these partnerships just off the TV show, to be real honest with you. It goes a lot further than that. Well, yeah, you've got, like I said, as long as you've got solid products, Ruger is, is one of my two favorite gun lines. I, I also shoot a Savage, but I just picked up mm-hmm. Ruger. Uh, I'm a left-handed, so finding guns that's for a lefty is, is a challenge. And uh, 
I picked up a Ruger three seventy five for a, hopefully another trip to Africa. Fantastic! Probably my favorite, uh, probably my all around favorite caliber um, it, that Ruger has is the three seventy five Ruger. I mean, Larry and I have both used that that caliber to hunt whitetail deer all the way to Cape Buffalo, and I, I hunted hippo on the Quando River here back in the spring, and uh, with the three seventy five Ruger and the rifle that. We're really shooting a lot right now is the new M77 FTW Hunter that Ruger has come out with that has worked uh, with Tim Fallon and the guys at the FTW Ranch. And I believe they're building those rifles uh, in 6.5 Creedmoor 7mm mag, 300 wind mag, and 375 Ruger right now. And uh, and I've, I've, I've been shooting the 6.5 Creedmoor and the 300 wind and the 375 Ruger in those models and just, you know, com- Totally, totally satisfied with the performance of the rifle. We're shooting the Hornady's uh, new Precision Hunter ELDX ammunition. In fact, I talked to Larry Weissing on the phone this morning. He just finished a whitetail hunt in Oklahoma and was telling me just how thrilled he was with the 200-grain ELDX bullet out of the 300 wind mag he was shooting and what it did with a couple of the hogs that he shot and the whitetail buck that he shot on this recent Oklahoma hunt. 375 Ruger, just a versatile caliber. I mean, even a caliber for, you know, that can shoot long range with a 250, 300 grain bullet. So performance wise, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great, great caliber. Well, I'm excited to get that out to do a little shooting. And uh, one thing you brought up, and I'd like you to expand on it for the listeners, because I've really seen a a growth in the talk and the discussions on online forums about that 6.5 Creedmoor. Uh, that seems to be one of the hotter rounds being discussed right now. What What's your feelings on that? How do you like it? You know, this is the first year I've really started shooting a 6.5 Creedmoor. Of course, I've read all the reviews, and I've also talked to a lot of the guys. Tim Fallon is such a great, uh, he's just he's just full of knowledge when it comes to this kind of stuff because he sees the he sees the different calibers that come through those courses and what performs the best. And um, I just shot the 6.5 Creedmoor, you know, my last uh, precision hunter training course that I, that I went to about three weeks ago. I'm going to tell you right now, it is it is a fun, fun caliber to shoot. There's minimal recoil. Um, you know, there's the velocity, it's like 2,800 feet per second with a 140-grain bullet. I was shooting targets out to 800 yards, no problem. Um, I just shot a whitetail deer in Missouri at Oak Creek Whitetail Ranch. You know, a deer dressed to 250 pounds. I shot that deer right through the shoulders with that 6.5 Creedmoor, 140-grain, you know, Horner to ELDX bullet. I love it. I mean, the accuracy of it, fantastic the recoil like i said is minimal it's great for you know you know family rifle for children to shoot or for women to shoot uh long range shooting you know i would i personally myself would take that 6.5 creedmoor and hunt anything from whitetail deer mule deer any of the sheep species uh even mountain goat species you know i would take that rifle any day of the week you know if i wanted to go a little a little bit bigger and start hunting elk and that kind of stuff i would step up to a little bit heavier gun but for for antelope, white-tailed deer, mule deer, any of your sheep hunting, you know, long-range shooting, that 6.5 Creedmoor is, it's tough to beat. Truly, truly excited to be shooting it this year. Oh, fantastic. I, I've, like I said, I've seen a lot of feedback on the, on the online forums and discussions and even from manufacturers, websites talking about the bullet and the gun. And so it's really a small, a light-skinned animal that you can shoot long distances is what it really sounds like it's designed for. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And it with no recoil, you know, no recoil at all. Fun gun to shoot. I mean, you know, you go to, you go to the FTW range, like I said, where I was, and I was shooting about a hundred rounds a day. 
you know, and uh, never bothered me a bit. Never bothered me a bit. Never even felt like my shoulder was sore the next day, you know, when I would go out and shoot another 100 rounds. Interesting. That's uh, that's the nice thing is the recoil is what can beat you up, you know, so. Absolutely. You start shooting those 300 wind mags, and after a box of shells, you're going to feel like you just went a few rounds with Mike Tyson. Yeah, well, you know, to me, if, if, if you're the type of shooter that's nervous of recoil, that's what's going to mess you up. You know, I don't, I'm not afraid to recoil myself. I like shooting the big Magnum bore rifles as well. Um, but the great thing about that 6.5 Creedmoor, especially on the long range shooting is you will never lose that sight picture. You know, the recoil is never going to make you lose your sight picture when you squeeze that trigger and that muzzle goes off. You can see everything in that frame, you know, in your scope, um, all the way to the target, you know, because of that recoil being so minimum and that's what makes it so fun to shoot. Yeah, when you can stay on track with that bullet, I can see how that'd be a good time. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as you get going, you mentioned a topic that I was going to touch on later, but you brought it up, so I, I want to delve a little deeper. You mentioned about people following their dreams, getting involved in the outdoor industry in one facet or another. We know there's a lot of shows on the Sportsman Channel, the other outdoor channels that are out there. Uh, you know, there's even many shows that are being put direct to YouTube. Um, but how do you see... How did you get involved? Were you a behind-the-camera guy for a number of years before you came in front of the camera? I was, Jason. Um, about 12 years ago, a mutual friend of both Larry and myself named Kim Hicks. Kim Hicks had a TV show back in those days called Hunting, excuse me, Hunting 201 Beyond the Basics. And prior to that TV show, he had uh, a magazine you may be familiar with that was a Texas-based magazine called the Texas Hunting Directory. And he had he had sold that magazine and went, uh, this was about the time that, you know, internet digital media was starting to take off and hunting television was starting to take off. And that's when he went into producing the series hunting 201 beyond the basics. And I had, I had known Kim for a good while. That's actually how I met Larry Weissy for the first time. And, uh, you know, I, I went to work for him and he kind of showed me, showed me the ropes and I'll be real honest. I mean, it was a passion of mine to film and film wildlife and to film hunting and, it was something I really wanted to get into. I didn't think that I would be able to really get into it and make it a full-time business or a career, but here we are today, and uh, I'm just very, very thankful and very blessed to, to continue to have the opportunities that present itself to me. So that's kind of where it all got started. And from, you know, from Kim, from the Hunting 201 Beyond the Basics series, I went in to do some different freelance work, and that's when I went to go do some work for Larry Weissman when he was a part of a TV show called Winchester World of Whitetails, which... Mm -hmm. Oh, it was the number one rated show, you know, according to the Nielsen's ratings back then, and, um, you know, won a bunch of other awards as well, and went on, did some other freelance work for North American Hunter Television, um, and, you know, some other production companies in the hunting industry, and did, that led us to today. I mean, pretty much, you know, led us to where I am today, and I produced a couple other TV shows in the past, Uncaged with Matt Hughes was one of them. Um, when Larry came to me with the idea to do a series beyond, you know, behind the book, trailing the hunter's moon, I mean, I just, I, I thought it was the best idea and, and wanted to, I wanted to make it work. And here we are six seasons later, and you know, 52 weeks out of the year now producing 26 original hunts a year, keeping Larry and I scattered across the world nonstop, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Oh, I bet that's, that's a lot. If you're producing 26 episodes, it's one every other week. You guys are, are really moving. We are. That's 26 hunts a year. So Larry does 13 hunts uh, himself, and I do 13. And, uh, you know, so that's, you know, one, that's a little over one hunt per month, you know. And, you know, we pretty much 
do all of our international hunting and traveling in the spring and early summer and then gear up and start hunting, you know, all of our North American hunts about, about August. We're running, running through right now. I mean, right now we're right in the middle of our deer hunts. I just got done with a deer hunt in, in Missouri at Oak Creek Whitetail Ranch. Larry just got finished with a hunt uh, with the Nature Blind crew up in Oklahoma. And uh, so we're we're all taking off a little time for Thanksgiving to spend with our families. And then we're going to be right back out in Lano, Texas at the Sandstone Mountain Ranch. Okay. Uh, hunting whitetail deer there, both Larry and I together. So truly looking forward to that hunt. Uh, Brian and Dan Dungan out there that own the Sandstone Mountain Ranch in Lano, that's truly one of the prettiest ranches in Texas I've ever put my feet on. So looking forward to that hunt coming up. Now, you grew up in San Antonio, correct? Born and raised, yes, sir. Was your Did you grow up in a hunting family, or is, was that a strong tradition in your family? Yeah, my family always hunted. My dad did. You know, took me on my first deer hunt. I think I shot my first deer when I was eight years old. Uh, my mom's side of the family owned some, some uh, property up in the Comfort, Texas area, so I got to spend my youthful years there growing up hunting uh, white-tailed deer, even some axis deer and feral hogs and stuff uh, there. But, yeah, I grew up with a strong hunting background, hunting and fishing. I mean, when I'm not hunting, I'm trying to find a place to go fishing still today. So uh, hunting's, hunting's deeply rooted, you know, in my background for sure. I mean, uh, it, you know. When we get you up to Michigan, when if you ever get up there to visit the guys at the Wildlife Gallery, and uh, I would love to. And and I'm up there. We've got to go out onto Saginaw Bay for walleye fishing. You won't find a better. Oh, spot. I'd love to do that. Dan and Charlotte Catlin have been giving me a hard time about coming up visiting the headquarters, you know, of the Wildlife Gallery, and I really need to do that. They just delivered a big trailer load of African trophies for me here about a month ago, and they're working on another big batch of trophies for me. Uh, they'll probably be delivered here in the next few months. Those guys do absolutely outstanding work. So I'd love to get up there and tour that facility and go do a little walleye fishing with you, Jason. That sounds like a great plan. Now, speaking of that trailer, if I understand right, there was a, a pretty decent leopard you had in there. Yeah, the last uh, load of trophies that the Wildlife Gallery delivered to me had uh, had a life-size leopard that I took in Namibia. Actually, it was a leopard I took almost two years ago today now. It was the first and only leopard to ever be taken by a hunter out of the Waterberg uh plateau national park there in, in namibia so truly exciting hunt a very humbling experience that i was a part of nobody had ever had successfully taken a leopard out of that that region and uh it was a big leopard and, and wildlife gallery preserved that memory for me that and did an absolute spectacular job uh with that mount is one that i'll cherish and, and i mean every time i walk into the living room and see that piece i mean it's uh brings back a humbling overwhelming experience so they delivered that. They delivered a uh, life-size African lion as well and a few other African trophies that I had them do. And I think right now they're working on uh, a bull elk that I took in New Mexico and a Himalayan tar that I took in New Zealand and a mule deer from Colorado and a few other white tails. So between Larry and I, we, we keep them pretty busy. But I know that I know they're busy themselves. Those guys do some of the best work in the world. It's amazing to watch those posts that they put up on YouTube. Between Dan and Charlotte, uh, yeah. just a great group of guys for you to be partnered up with. And and I was kind of joking about a decent leopard. That was a heck of a leopard. <laughs> he was a heck of a leopard. Yeah, no, he, he really was. Uh, I probably will never kill a cat like that in my lifetime again. I mean, it was uh, a very special moment indeed. What did you use on him, a three seven five or bigger? I actually used a Ruger two forty three. Really? That's what I use. Yes, sir. Those cats, you know, I mean, they all, a lot of muscle in that shoulder, but their, their skin is very, uh, very thin. Um, that cat, I shot him at, at my, our blind was about 90 yards from the bait, and 
that cat jumped up in the tree right at daylight on the second morning of our hunt. It was just one of those hunts that just everything went right. You know, I mean, most, most leopard hunters truly don't uh, have the luck of being able to kill a cat on the second day, but I did. And, and yeah, he jumped up in the tree right at daylight. I had a 243, a uh, little Ruger M77, and shot him right through the shoulders. That bullet went all the way through him. Maybe went 20 yards from the tree and was dead right there. So, wow. yeah, don't don't need to. In fact, that's several of the mountain lions that I've killed in the past. That's what I've killed him with as well, the 243. Well, see, for the listeners out there that don't knock those smaller calibers, uh, they'll get the job done. They'll get the job done. Shot placement to me is, is a lot of everything. But, you know, I mean, again, those leopards, uh, I mean, they do have a lot of muscle in that shoulder region, but they're very, very thin-skinned. You know, those cats are very, very fair, thin-skinned. So it doesn't take much. I'd hate to use too big a gun and, and, and you know, rip a huge hole in them. A three seventy five definitely would have done that. Yes, sir. It would have. <laughs> yeah, she would have sent me an email, a nasty email, hmm. when she was sewing that thing up, probably. <laughs> so now you've hunted Namibia. Uh, where else in Africa? Africa, country-wise. I've hunted Namibia, South Africa, Zimbabwe, um, Tanzania one time. Oh, uh, Mozambique. I've done some filming with Larry and, and Tim Fallon up in Benin, uh, in the western part of Africa. But um, most most of my most of my safaris, I think I've done twenty eight safaris total now, have been you know Namibia, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, uh, Botswana twice. So uh, truly love Africa. I mean, Africa to me gets in your soul and it calls you back time and time again. You know, a lot of people. But it never been. Will sometimes argue with you, but I just say, hey, you know, you can't really argue with me until you're gone and you tried it. But uh, exactly, I definitely bit me the first time I went, and I think I've been 28 times now. So and, and look forward to going back again. So now you took an Af- uh, African elephant as well, then correct? I have. Yeah, I've been very fortunate and successful to take uh, four of the big five. I, I lack the the rhino, which uh, you know is probably a species I won't won't hunt directly. I may may under a legal permit do a vita dart hunt um mm-hmm. you know when when a permit becomes available that would complete my big five but uh yeah done done a tremendous amount of, of african hunting i've killed several really good buffalo in my career did i've hunted elephant and was successful there uh, in fact those those hunts were done for the uh, tv show and aired just this past season both the elephant hunt and one of my buffalo hunts so um you know, truly look forward to probably hunting elephant again, you know, in the future. May even uh, hunt a free-range lion coming up, you know, soon. It sounds like um, they're gonna they're working on opening up the uh, importation and allowing X amount of permits for free-range lions to be exported back into the U.S. So happy and excited about that. Yeah. May get an opportunity to hunt for lion again. So definitely we'll revisit Africa as much as I possibly can. So now you're over in New Mexico right now. Uh, and I happened to do a trip through New Mexico recently on my way to Arizona and stopped at another number of places down in southern New Mexico, Kimado, and just a number of small towns. And to me, uh-huh. I, having never been through that area, I, the only thing that kept striking me was, man, this has got to be great elk territory. And Oh, New Mexico is fabulous for elk hunting. Absolutely. Where, where do you do most of your elk hunting there? You know, this year I elk hunted just west of Albuquerque, over near Grants, New Mexico. I hunted with Kiowa Outfitters, Tim Bearclaw, who's a longtime friend of Larry Wysoon's. I uh, got to hunt out there, uh, first opener of uh, their rifle season, which was mid-October. And with some good, had some good friends in camp with me, too, uh, Texas musician 
country music singer Kyle Park was with me, and another longtime family friend Mike Brown was with me, and Larry was even there for a few days of the hunt. And uh, but that's where I hunted uh, this past season. Uh, we have a family home up in the Angel Fire uh, area, up in the mountains, west of Raton, in the mountain range there, Red River, Taos, Angel Fire. A lot of great elk hunting right around here. In fact, just uh, two days ago, I was taking a little drive and ran across about a herd of three hundred elk that had half a dozen really good bulls that I was taking some photographs just right off the side of the road from. But wow. uh, Chama, New Mexico, you know, is loaded with big elk. I mean, New Mexico is a great resource. I hunted uh, black bear uh, early September uh, or mid-September here in New Mexico as well with hounds. That was a lot of fun. And we just had about six inches of so- snow last night, and I might even go chase a mountain lion tomorrow morning with some buddies here now that they just got their first snow on the ground we may put some dogs out and see if we can't pick up a track or two new mexico is fabulous it's got a great hunting resource yeah it's a neat state uh i'm handicapped so it limits some of the the more physical hunts that can be done but i was Mm -hmm. in ruidoso and talking with Mm -hmm. folks at at the casino up there and they run a huge hunting outfit out of there and they they were fairly deep confident that they could put me on a bear even with my limited mobility because they said there's just so many of them. Very true. Yeah, I think I think that that wouldn't be a problem for you, Jason. Even where I hunted, uh, bears that I hunted were over near Chama, but, you know, pretty easy uh, terrain. You could get around in a vehicle almost on all of it, you know, and it wasn't real steep mountain country. Here in the Angel Fire area where I am, I mean, we have a big valley, but the mountains get pretty big all around us here. Uh, but you could, you could get around and do a bear hunt yourself, I think, without a problem. But uh, New Mexico's great. I mean, I'm even going to put in, there's bighorn sheep here in this state I'm going to put in for the bighorn draw. Keep my fingers crossed that one of these years, maybe I'll get lucky enough and get drawn and go chase a bighorn sheep that I can send to the wildlife gallery as well. But it's a great place. Have you put in for those uh, ibex down in the Floridia Mountains? I have not. And I, you know, I've been told that that's one of the hardest tags to draw, and, and I may consider doing that you know, in the future as well. But uh, that, that's a precious tag if a guy can get his hand you know, on it because there, there's a lot of big ibex you know, still down in those mountains. Yeah, that's what I've heard is that, A, it's not easy, and from both a draw standpoint and a hunt standpoint. Correct. Correct. It's a pretty physically demanding challenge if, if, a, if a hunter does get drawn and, and uh, is able to go into those Floridas and, and look for those Ibex. It's, it's tough. Well, tell me, with the number of hunts you do in any given year, both on the, the television side and well as just personal hunts, what would probably be your, I don't know, I guess your favorite hunt is the, the best way to put it? What what's what really gets you fired up to go after? Uh, whatever the next hunt is. <laughs> <laughs> to be real honest with you, no, you know I've really I I, um, I get asked that question a lot. Gosh, there's just so many of them, Jason. It's hard for me to really just pick one. I think if if I was truly forced to pick one, if I was truly forced to pick one, it might be take buffalo hunting. But I just, but I love so many. I love all the hunts that I go on. I love to hunt white-tailed deer this time of year. I love hunting black bears in the spring. You know, the dangerous game hunting is something that I really, uh, I really live for as well. You know, buffalo, elephant, the cats. Uh, I, yeah, it's really hard for me to pick one. Cape buffalo. If you're making me pick one, probably cape buffalo. I don't know if I'm answering your question right, no, but no, that's... every hunt I go on looks. I just get excited about every hunt that I go on. Cape Buffalo is my number one, like, want to do. Uh, they just are an amazing animal. And uh, I've not been lucky enough to hunt them yet. When we were in Africa, when I was there, we ran across some, um, for people that aren't very familiar, there's many areas in 
in Southern Africa, not South Africa, but just Sub-Saharan Africa, that the Cape Buffalo had issues with disease. Mm -hmm. Bringing them back and trying to keep them disease-free herds, this ranch that I was hunting on had a small herd of them, but they were very hard to find. Uh, I actually saw wild dogs, which was fantastic and an amazing thing to watch, but never saw Cape Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah. No, Cape Buffalo is fantastic. I've hunted them in South Africa, Namibia, Zimbabwe, and even Tanzania. And uh, it is, you know, I've been on the I've been on the front and back end of some charges and some very close calls. And um, you know, it's a hunt that you got to be very careful of. I think the danger fa- factor to it is is what uh, you know builds up those moments and and um, makes it that much more exciting. And you know, it can be a, a very physically demanding hunt as well. I mean, I've walked. 20 miles a day following buffalo sport to catch up with a herd or catch up with a small group of dog boys I, I think you know for the african hunter you know everybody you start out hunting plains game and you graduate and everybody wants to hunt buffalo at, you know at the end of the day and uh once they've once they've had a chance to chase the black death they'll do it again yeah it's it's an amazing animal that like i said i've not done it and i'm already drawn to it now, <laughs> you guys are on the sportsman channel for people that don't have access to or don't have cable TV, is there any other way that they can get access to your show? YouTube or buy an you know, right, episode? Or yeah, right now, you know, right now we're just on the uh, Sportsman's channel. Uh, we are we are fixing to set up and, and revamp our YouTube channel where we're going to put the first five seasons. We don't have that completed right now. We're just right now we're right in the middle of. Uh, Finishing up our whitetail hunts and finishing up uh, actually the post-production side of things for all of the uh, quarter one episodes that are fixing to be released. You know, January is going to be the release of of season six, the brand new season, you know. And so uh, our post-production team is working around the clock right now, getting all those episodes ready to upload and send to the network. And as soon as we can kind of get caught up on that, we're going to, like I said, revamp our YouTube page and uh, going to add the first five seasons to the DSC's Trail the Hunter's Moon YouTube channel. We'll also probably include those episodes as well on the website for the TV show. Then, you know, we may even uh, branch out and put it in a couple other places. These digital platforms that are growing out there, My Outdoor TV is one, um, Get Zone is another. We're just kind of looking and researching to where we want to put our content, but we certainly have more content available to those that don't have the Sportsman's Channel to where they can watch us online. Oh, fantastic. That'll be that'll be nice to get the exposure. Uh, you guys put out a great product, and, um, you know, if you – it just make it neat for people to download it to their, their tablet if they're sitting at the airport or something like that and watch the show wherever. Absolutely. Well, we really do appreciate the support, Jason, and – we appreciate everybody's support that follows the show and writes to us through you know the website or through social media. So hopefully we can keep bringing you great content. I noticed recently another hunting show, it was a first, was put out on Netflix. So that was kind of interesting to see. Uh, it would be nice to catch the Oh, that's news to me. Yeah, uh, I hadn't heard of that yet. But I know that I think that that's where the industry's going. I think that that's, you know, because of technology today. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's where... Um, you know, more and more of our con- this type of content is going to land is on stuff like Netflix. You know, uh, channels that you can subscribe to and and pick up the series. You know, and watch from. So, I imagine somewhere down the way in the near future, we will land on on one of those type of uh, channels coming up. Yeah, that'd be fantastic to watch. So, 
as you talk with folks and you hit the hunting shows, the Dallas Safari Club show coming up in January, uh, the bigger shows, if somebody wanted to start off and maybe not be Blake Barnett to the same scale, but wanted to film their hunts for YouTube channels, what would you recommend to them? What, what kind of equipment should they pick up? You know, there's all kinds of equipment out there now. I mean, that's the greatest thing about it is, you know, technology has has advanced so far now that some you know the the equipment needed now to produce broadcast type quality content has has become very affordable. You know, a guy can pick up um, one of the smaller, newer modeled Sony or Canon handycams that shoot uh, 1080 30p or 1080 60i. And uh, that have fantastic stabilizers in them, and they can buy a few extra, you know, uh, added accessories in those packages, like extra batteries and a wide-angle lens and a camera light and, you know, a wireless microphone. And, um, you know, the user manuals on all the above are are very user-friendly for, you know, the guy that picks up those that kind of gear and just scans through it. They'll, They'll become very familiar with that equipment real quickly. And can go out on the field and start shooting some stuff. You know, I think it's uh, what I tell young guys that approach me and, and ladies that approach me about wanting to film wildlife and film hunts is, you know, it's, it's, it's being able to tell that story behind the lens. You know, you're telling a story and that lens has got to capture that story. It's There's a lot more to it than going out there and sitting up at a deer blind with your camera on the tripod and a white-tailed deer walks out and you shoot it and you have the kill shot. Okay, you've gathered you've gathered the fact that you shot the deer, and you showed us that you shot the deer. But let's tell the whole story about how the hunt happened, how it how it mm-hmm. how it became. You know, um, the idea came up. You know, how you know when you knew you were going to go to a certain place, how you got there, what the weather was like while you were there, the challenges that you you know that you were faced with while you were there. I mean, all of that is is what the lens needs to tell, and so. Um, you know, and, and becoming creative, you know, don't be afraid to become creative and, and look for shots that can really help move and tell that story. Um, and I think it's experience. I think that a guy or, or a girl that wants to get into this type of business, I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a true believer in, in working hard and following your dreams and pursuing those dreams by hard work and those dreams can come true. And so, um, I would I would tell any of the youngsters out there or or adults that want to get into it get themselves a camera a still shot camera and a video camera and go to work and start practicing film everything and but keep in mind it's a story that you're trying to capture you know it's a it's a story there's a you know there's a lot to building a story and that lens needs to be able to see it and you need to be able to capture that entire story through the lens well and I notice if I viewed it right a lot of people are starting to switch over to shooting the whole show with mid-range DSLRs to high-range DSLR cameras. Yeah, they are, you know, and there's a great, uh, we we do some of that as well. Um, I think that that's a little advanced for the beginner, you know, because there's a lot of, uh, well, there's, you know, using different lenses. I mean, if you're already a a still shot photographer and you know the camera, you know, and you know uh, depth of field and you know interchangeable lenses and, and how to really use one and use the settings of a, and an advanced DSLR, I mean, there's a beautiful look to that to that type of footage. We use those cameras for certain roles. Uh, we use them a lot for uh, time lapses and, and to capture, you know, certain shots that we want uh, as we create our stories. But we find them to also be a little bit slow when we are uh, hunting over the shoulder, like on a Cape Buffalo hunt where an action can happen quick because everything is pretty much manual-operated. 
on those type of cameras and and uh and can can, can be a little bit slow than straight videos it certainly serves the purpose and uh, and puts out some absolutely incredible you know content if, if if a guy knows how to use it but yeah no they're very popular plus they're smaller and easier to carry in and out of small planes and in and out of backpacks and climbing mountains instead of carrying a 20 pound camera setup no that's understandable i and that's why you see a lot of guys switching to them i is my guess just the portability of them the ease of carrying just one camera and a couple lenses versus a, a myriad of things right correct yeah i mean you, you you do carry to be effective for us when we carry dslr sets and we use it's a camera and about four to four to six different lenses you know and so there's the changing out of those lenses but we definitely keep a DSLR on on in the field with us when we're on uh, on a shoot. We also carry a high speed camera with us, and we also carry a straight video camera with us, and plus a drone. So we there's only four to six cameras in the field with us uh, when we're in production. Well, the drone is what's really, in my opinion, the drone is what is really changing the views and the production level and quality of some of these shows. Is that oh, absolutely. Show? you just couldn't capture it any other way. And it's, it's made for a neat, neat angles and views. And as you said, telling that story, it's more than just the hunt. It's everything that wraps around it before and after as well. Correct. The drones take it to a whole nother level, you know, and it, you know, there's, there's having that drone. And there's also having that operator and that pilot for that drone that can really capture those shots, you know, with the camera that's on those drones as well. So, but it does take it to a whole nother level and uh, it increases, you know, being able to tell that story by 100%. I mean, it, it really has changed the game. Well, and one last question, because I've had John here for a while now, and I hate, I want to be respectful of your time, but are you becoming a pistol hunter like Larry? <laughs> Not yet. No, I really haven't, you know. Uh, I, I did, Ruger doesn't, I mean, I, Ruger hasn't asked me to push, you know, a pistol and, and uh, with the TV show series, and I just, you know, I, I don't have an answer not that I wouldn't go try it, but uh, no, I've, I've stuck to just the traditional rifles, and you know, maybe one day I will pick up a handgun and start hunting with a handgun more often. But uh, no, I, I haven't started that yet. But who knows? You never know what the future might bring. Yeah, I watch. He's Mister Pistol. He's always got something neat going on with those pistols. He does. He does for sure. He's killed a lot of critters with it, and uh, can tell a lot of stories with that handgun hunting. And Maybe I'll leave it to him, and maybe I'll take it over one day. But <laughs> right now, I'm just I'm shooting at it. You know, M77 FTW Hunter this season, and I've shot a lot of the Ruger American rifles. And of course, I'm a big fan of the, you know, the Ruger number one single shot. So you know, Larry's a big fan of single shots too. And when I get a chance, I try to pick up and, and shoot one of those Ruger number ones as well. I'm gonna have in the show notes for the listeners. I'll have links to all your sponsors, to your internet shows as well as the Facebook page that you have, you're going to be at the the Dallas Safari Club show. Is that the main show you do every year? Yes, sir. We're going to be at DSC January 5th through the 8th this year. We'll be there every single day. You can find us. Uh, there's the Zai stage where there'll be some presentations going on. You can find both Larry and myself there. We'll also be mingling the floor. I mean, a lot of our, our partners are there, the Wildlife Gallery, Hornady. Um, they'll all be there. We'll be in and out of those booths. So, for all of those that are going to be attending the show, if you happen to see myself or Larry, stop and say hello. We'd love to visit with you and hear your hunting stories. So we'll be there. That'll be the first show of the season. And from there, we'll go on to a shot show out in Las Vegas and then get right back to hunting again. No downtime. No downtime at all, Jason. Not at all. No downtime trying to get this show put together each year. 
Well, for the listeners out there, I'll tell you, Blake's a good guy. Don't hesitate to contact him through Facebook. Uh, I like to get the folks on who are real good in the industry. And with Blake and his partner, Larry, uh, with this show, Dallas Safari Club's Trailing the Hunter's Moon, you got two of the premier guys in the outdoor industry here that that are just a stand-up version of what every hunter should be looking towards being. Uh, honest, ethical, telling a good story, overall brand promoters for for the hunting industry. And so I, I encourage you to support them, support their their sponsors, uh, because without the good sponsors that take care of these guys, these guys aren't out there telling us their stories. So, Blake, I appreciate the time you gave me today. Jason, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure visiting with you. I hope that I can catch you again next time I'm around San Antonio, maybe at one of the DSC South Texas chapter meetings, or if not, see you at the DSC convention in January. I'll be there. Look forward to it, and uh, we'll have a we'll have a little get together maybe and talk some fishing. Hey, sounds like a plan to me, Jason. You take care. You too. You have a great day, and again, I appreciate all your time. Thank you, Jason. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Happens every year I start feeling kind of weird when the leaves start falling to the ground. I lie in bed at night hearing birds in flight. It's an unbelievable sound. The weather's getting cold, the kids are back at school. I should be buying them brand new clothes. But I spent my next check on a case of shells and a bunch of calls, don't you know? And I know for sure green heads are on their way I got a brand new boat and she's ready to go But we're still a month away I just can't stop thinking about the ducks We'll be killing if you ask my wife, she'll say 